the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Water in the court. Be seated. It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm your host, Todd Marquardt. We're here on 930 AM, The Answer, KLUP in San Antonio, Texas. Marquardt Law Firm is sponsoring our show today, and attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. Also, new businesses and old businesses which might have issues with corporations, contracts, LLCs, family-limited partnerships, and we can represent those who are facing problems from lack of planning, like in county court, district court, or probate court. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs attorney law licenses, and the State Bar wants attorneys to inform the public about the law. But because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and because laws are ever-changing, material discussed in this program is meant for general informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us for our sins, for our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing or failing to do your will. Please be with me and Hector as we discuss sales, training, management training, and football today. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. Today we have Hector Rodriguez with Sandler Training, and we're going to talk about sales training and management training and football. Hector, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit about me. I'm born and raised here in San Antonio. Went to a high school right down the road from here to Robert E. Lee and actually attended the Magnet School of ISA. So I played football for Lee and went to school at ISA. Okay. What does ISA stand for? International School of the Americas. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what were you studying the, uh, at, at that Magnet School that mm-hmm. you were interested in? Yeah, a lot of it was studied on worldviews and really understanding other cultures and other countries and seeing how we could understand the way they work, the way they communicate, and bring it to our local community. So it was think global, work local. Oh, okay. Wow, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And you played football there. What position? Well, it's funny you say that. Uh, in high school, I did tackle. I played offensive tackle, left tackle. But as you know, guys, uh, it's a little different from college to high school. So mm-hmm. I moved to become a center because of my height, of course. <laughs> wow. And where did you play in college? I went to West Texas A&M. University, where I graduated with a Bachelor's of Sport Exercise Science. Okay. Where is West Texas A&M? West Texas A&M is in Canyon, Texas. Most people don't know where Canyon's at, so I normally say uh, about 50 miles south of Amarillo. Yeah. I, I'm i f- somewhat familiar with it because I went to the the canyon there. Mm-hmm. Polidoro Canyon. Polidoro, mm-hmm. yeah. Beautiful. That's actually, the, I believe, the second largest canyon in the world right. next to the Grand Canyon. It's like the Grand Canyon, mm-hmm. except you can drive down there. Exactly. Yeah, camp down there, and it's not as, uh, I would say, as dangerous <laughs> as the right. Grand Canyon. 
But they do have hiking, too. Yes, they do. Tons of trails. Did you do some of that while you were going to school there? I did. Yes, I was, uh, you know, growing up here in San Antonio, went a lot to Gardner State Park. So I was very familiar with the outdoors and camping. So uh, when we weren't training and, you know, in class, we would go out there and hike in the, the Palo Duro Canyon. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you studied exercise science? Yep, sport exercise science. Uh, I got my bachelor's in that. I was actually going to be working towards, uh, it used to be a master's, but it changed to a doctoral program for a physical therapist. Okay, but mm-hmm. you went a different direction. Different direction, <laughs> yep. <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about your college experience and, uh, and football. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what about the football program while you were there, can you tell us? Yeah, I mean, if if anyone knows West Texas A&M, we play in the toughest conference in Division Two. So it's Division Two University Lone Star Conference was, uh, like I said, the toughest. And when I went there, we were already defending champs. And when I was there from freshman, sophomore, and junior year, we won three championships. Oh, so I actually wow. walked away with three championship rings and was uh, all conference and all American towards my senior year. Awesome. Yep. And so it, that it fun. <laughs> that helped you continue your football career after that. Yes, yes. And and it was really uh you know, balancing schoolwork and and really uh you know, playing football, which is a lifestyle. I tell a lot of these young uh people that are student athletes in college, yes, it's important to play the sport, but use the sport to get where you want to get cuz to your question, uh my ambition was to course to make the NFL. Mm-hmm. But that was cut very shortly when uh you know, I wasn't picked up and actually released from a couple of teams. Well, which teams did you play for? Um, so I had some mini camps and training camps with a couple of teams up in Dallas. So what would happen is you have Eagles, the Giants, and Cowboys come in, and they would basically scout you out. And, and I went to a couple of mini camps, but nothing panned out. Then I actually got picked up. I had an agent. You know, you had the whole nine, the agent, the, the sports psychologist, nutritionist. I had a strength coach, speed coach position coach. I mean, uh, I had a coach for everything when it comes to sports mm-hmm. and football. And then that's when I played a little bit of ball for Utah Blaze, which is the AFL, Arena Football. Okay. And uh, and you were center for them as well? Yes. Yep. I played center. And how long did you play? One season. Okay. Yeah. One season. It was one of those things where it wasn't uh, where I wanted to be, but it was a stepping stool to get back into the NFL. Yeah. But uh, it just... You know, came to a realization. I tell a lot of these young entrepreneurs out there that just because you fail at your first endeavor, don't let that define you, who you are. Don't mm-hmm. let it define your identity. And I actually share that in a lot of my training that I do when I'm speaking to sales leaders, business owners, CEOs, that if you do fail at an endeavor or a business or, let's say, a couple of years, don't let that define you because that's what I did when I got released and wasn't allowed to play in the NFL mm-hmm. and my dreams were cut short. I went into what you call an identity crisis where, I mean, when you're playing a sport since you're five years old right. until you're 21, 22. You're a football player. You're a football player. That's all you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's all you've been bred for. So I learned at a very young age how to f- recover from a failure and how to pivot and really start something new, start something fresh. So I use that in some of my lessons when it comes to uh, separating your identity from your role. Great. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. And so you, you knew you weren't going to play football. Mm-hmm. What did you do next? Yeah, uh, I was actually uh, flew back back to uh, San Antonio, uh, moved into my parents' house, as most uh, college graduates do when mm-hmm. <laughs> when they come back. And at that point, I, I went around talking to a lot of my friends who were entrepreneurs at the time. Uh, start, some starting tech companies, marketing firms, uh, adver- digital advertisement was really big mm-hmm. uh, back. Uh, remember, I don't know if anyone remembers, but. They're in the app craze, right? It was an app for everything. Right. I believe that was the coin phrase. And uh, I worked for a couple of digital agencies, and that's really where I got my foothold on B2B business and really understanding how business owners work here in San Antonio and how marketing and advertising could scale their business. Okay, Mm -hmm. but you don't do that anymore either. No, I did not. I actually evolved from that. Uh, And I was in the advertise agency or digital agency world for about seven years, and what I learned from there, which is what transitioned to me, what I do now, is there was a big disconnect between sales and marketing, mm-hmm. right? The marketing team was always getting after the sales team because they couldn't close the leads. Mm-hmm. And the sales team is getting after the marketing team because the leads are no, no good. Right. 
And what I realized were working both businesses and teams that it was neither any it was no one's fault. Mm-hmm. It was they didn't have a common process or like we like to say a common commercial language. Okay. So they weren't speaking the same language. That's important. Very important. Yeah, when um back in Bible times mm-hmm. they were building the big tower, <laughs> Tower of Babel. Mm-hmm. And uh, God didn't want them to keep building it, so he scattered their languages, and then they couldn't communicate. Exactly. Yep. So I see that a lot in what marketing teams and sales teams. Their uh, expectations are different, but like we like to call it, their playbooks are different. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what, what did you learn playing football that, that you use in your sales training? Of course. I mean, everyone knows in the sport of football, if you played it when you were a kid, middle school, high school, or even the higher, the higher levels, that teaches you discipline, right, being coached by other, some, other people other than your parents, right, mm-hmm. your relatives. But when it comes to business and sales, I learned that if you look at professional sports teams and even college teams that are very successful, they have a proven system. So it doesn't matter who's a quarterback next year or the next four or five years. Mm-hmm. They're going to win championships. They're going to be successful because they have a proven process. Prime example, Nick Saban. I'm not an Alabama fan out there, but I know there's probably Alabama fans out there that are still licking their wounds from the Georgia loss uh, from national cha- for the national championship game. But if you look at Nick Saban's history, he has a proven process that he's able to plug and play different players that have never played with each other, win championships. I think that's amazing. So in business, what I do is I help CEOs, business owners, and their sales leaders understand that just because you don't have a sales team who's been with each other forever – doesn't mean you can't have success quickly okay or put them in a, in a system right mm-hmm. and so you help them with that at sandler yes yeah, one of that yeah, was one of the aspects we, we help them with okay well we're gonna have to take a, a break um, but when we come back i want to talk more about sandler mm-hmm. and what exactly the company is and and how you how you fit that role there uh, again just to let you know, we're on 9.30 a.m. The Answer, and we're also on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can find a podcast. And if you want to search episodes specific for this show, you can go to www.talklawradio.com. All of our previous episodes are listed there by date. I'm going to be working on organizing that by topic also so it's easier to find what you're interested in. So again, we're talking with Hector Rodriguez today about football and about sales training and management training. We'll talk a little bit about the law and how some salespeople might uh, end up in trouble with the law or some managers might end up with trouble in the law. Tell us a little bit about the company. How does it work there? Yeah, let me give you the, I call it the 30,000 overview. Right. Uh, Sandler Training, we are a franchise, right? We've been around 50 years and we're the world leader when it comes to sales, management, leadership. And what we do here at Sandler San Antonio is really help businesses in, in four different areas. One is helping people or their people with lack of skills, how to sell, how to close, how to prospect. Number two is what does the staff look like? Are the people on the bus sitting in the right seat and mm-hmm. should they even be on the bus? Right. And the third thing is structure, which is do you have a operating operational system? Do you have a sales process that's documented, that's being ran efficiently, right? That's the structure of your culture. And then fourth is strategy. Let's say they have all three, right? Those cylinder, all three cylinders are running, but they want to move into a new market, a new uh, net network, or they want to add a new service. We strategically work with them how to sell more strategically. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like that. It's a whole system and process like yes. you've been saying. Exactly. Okay, and what is your role there? So my role here is I'm one of the coaches and trainers here at Sandler Training. So I help with the coaching, the training, and also bringing in new accounts and new companies here in, in, in the franchise. And what does that training look like? Yep, great question. I get that answer a lot. Hector, how long is, is Sandler? And my question to them is, well, how long do you want to work with your clients? And they say forever. I go, well, I'm us as well. I'm glad we're on the mm-hmm. same page now. <laughs> so it's it's an ongoing reinforcement. Um, so Sandler is a every month, every week working with us, and really we're an extension of their brand. So you 
before we got started, you mentioned uh, virtual training, mm-hmm. in-person training. You do both. Yes. And is it is it like a classroom style then? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's cl- a classroom style. We have virtual and in-person. Right now, we do private and public. And, and let me explain what that means. Private is you, Todd, for instance, having me come in and working with your staff at your location or at our training center. Just you know, And I'm training mm-hmm. you on different aspects of the business, or I like to say the four pillars that I, that I spoke about right. earlier. Then the public is you're in a classroom setting with other professionals, other business owners that are in different industries. But what's great about that, we all share the same challenges as business owners, right. as presidents, and even sales leaders. So it's really understanding the skill, learning best practices, and a high sense of accountability. Okay. So you give assignments yes. that the students are accountable for? Exactly. When and Before you come to class, before you come to the session, you have pre-work. Now, it's not your pre-work like you're used to back in grade school when you had to do an essay or a, you know, a team project. It's work preparing you for the session. And then the pre-work is actually, we call it field work, where you're taking it and applying it to your business. It's not just motivating you, getting you excited, and it goes away. Mm-hmm. In order for it to work, we have to apply it real world in actual situations that, as a business owner, we're facing or our sales team is facing. Okay. Is it okay if I talk a little bit about the law? Let's do it. Let's okay. do it. It goes hand in hand. Right. <laughs> there are some laws where a salesperson will get in trouble, not like handcuffs, but maybe a, a lawsuit, uh, an upset customer because of the way that they got sold. And one of the laws that's big on this in, in the consumer legal world is uh, the Deceptive Trade Practices Act. And so there's a section of that law called the laundry list. It's a laundry list of things that salespeople are not supposed to do. They're supposed to avoid doing these things. And so I'm going to talk about a few of them. And my theory is, my hypothesis is, that with better training, salespeople won't run into these problems because they'll have a system that's legal, ethical, and above board, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Exactly. That's probably something you emphasize that it has to be legal. <laughs> yes, a, a lot of uh, it's unfortunately a lot of my clients come from an experience like you're talking about, where they went through a, some type of legal issues because there wasn't a documented process, mm-hmm. there wasn't training, but there was more importantly there wasn't a system that they could abide by and knowing that hey are we on track or off track, you know are we muddling the waters or are we, you know riding okay? Right. So uh, just a few of the things would be, number one, passing off goods or services as those of another, causing confusion or misunderstanding about the source, sponsorship, approval, or certification of goods. So, I mean, regular people would just call these things lies. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. It's what um, gives good salespeople a bad reputation. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you had a system of, of knowing your product mm-hmm. and a, a system of talking about your product with uh, the customer, maybe you wouldn't have to resort to this, these, these illegal um, practices. Exactly. So can you think of uh, some tidbit of training that might help prevent this, something that um, – helps the, the salesperson and the, mm-hmm. and the customer have a more honest conversation? Yep, I, I sure do, and that's a, a great question. I, and I get that asked a lot, Todd. And really what it is is not a technique I teach. It's not a behavior. It's a attitude. And attitude okay. means a belief, a limited belief, that salespeople have been taught since they first got into sales, which is you have to convince someone to do something that they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Right. That's when you hear salesperson, I'm pretty sure everyone listening out there is if you think, not think, but if you go out to, you know, North Star Mall right down the road and you run into 100 salespeople or sorry, run into 100 people and you ask them, what do you think about a salesperson? They're going to hear things like not trustworthy. Now, they lied to me trying to get what they want, worried about commissions, all negative things you're going to hear. Right. So what we do, Todd, is we help change that belief in what is a salesperson. What is sales? What sales is, is an honest, open conversation. 
We're not here to convince our prospects to do something. We're here to understand what their buying process is and to lock arms and help them walk through that process. That is what sales is. If somebody goes to the store, Mm -hmm. they're already somewhat interested. Yeah, it's our job to truly understand, do they need it or can they wait on it? Mm -hmm. And we teach not every prospect is a client. So when you have that belief, you take away the whole, I got to get the sale or I have to convince them to do something. And that thing that's where salespeople get in trouble is promising something that is not in the contract, promising something that they don't do, and it comes and backfires on them. Right. And that's what can be prevented with good training. Mm -hmm. If you're just now joining us, I'm talking to Hector Rodriguez with Sandler San Antonio. Yes, sir. How do you how do you call the company? Yep, it is Sandler San Antonio. Okay, Sandler San Antonio, and their focus is on training salespeople and training managers with a process. With the process, yep. And that helps to prevent problems at work, and it helps to prevent litigation, which nobody wants. So um, maybe you should call or or call Hector or look up the website. Uh, what would be the best route? Yes. What's, what would be your entry door? Yeah, that would be great. Uh, I would say our website is ssa.sandler.com, and it's like Adam Sandler. Okay. No affiliation with the, <laughs> the actor. <laughs> right. But that's what it is, ssa.sandler.com. Or you could follow me on LinkedIn. I'm very heavy on LinkedIn. Or you could follow me on my Instagram handle, which is salesguru underscore Sandler. Okay, good. Some other things that a salesperson would not want to do is um, representing the goods or services, have some sponsorship, approval, characteristics, ingredients, uses, benefits, or quantities which they do not have, or that a person has a sponsorship, approval, status, affiliation, or connection that the person does not have. So again, those are just lies, basically. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And if you have a, a good product and a good process, mm-hmm. then you'll probably stay out of trouble. Which brings me to uh, my next question. How is your system or how is your business different when it comes to teaching managers instead of salespeople? Yep. No, that's, a, that's a great, great question. And really, whenever I get that question, I, I tell the owner or the leader, sales training never works. And I tell people that all the time. Sales training never works because there's no reinforcement. That's mm-hmm. one. Two, leadership is never involved, right? And three, they don't practice what they preach. So they're not practicing what they preach in the classroom. Two, leadership's not involved. So it's hard for leadership and their team to talk to each other when we're not in front of them. And then three is really understanding that it's reinforcement. It's not an event, right? right. We, we have a saying in Sandler. We can't teach a kid to ride a bike at a seminar. So why do we send our sales team to learn how to sell better? Mm-hmm. <laughs> From one seminar. Exactly. Okay, so it's an ongoing process and, and relationship that you have. Yes, exactly. Is there a particular program that some new onboarding clients might start with? Yes. Uh, um, really, when I hear about Hector, what can I start with? I say, let's forget about training. Let's forget about coaching. The first thing we've got to understand is who do we have on the team? So we start with a benchmark. Uh, a benchmark is really understanding three things. One is what are their strengths? And I'm not talking about personality. I'm talking about what are the strengths, the competencies that they're strong in the role they're currently in. Two, where are the gaps where we need to help them be stronger at mm-hmm. in that role? And then three, Let's say they don't go with Sandler. Let's say they go with another competitor of ours or they have internal training. That person or company could take that benchmark and develop them based on that. It's a more of an interactive tool that they could take with them throughout the journey of their sales career. So I start with that first before we do any training because since we're talking about law, I always say this. If I go in there showing you, Todd, that you need to be in this program without doing a benchmark, I call that sales malpractice. Okay. All right. I don't know what you need because I don't know who's on the team. Right. Mm-hmm. It's better to do an analysis of what the needs are mm-hmm. 
And maybe I don't know what I need. <laughs> yeah, maybe you might not need this. A lot of times, a lot of people are not ready for Sandler. And maybe you need a business attorney, right? Here's right. Todd. I was actually, I'm actually sending to Todd a referral today. I was speaking with a prospect that had disqualified because he wasn't ready. He needs some legal advice. So I'm referring to you. Okay. Maybe they need a CPA. Maybe they need to talk to a, a PEO broker who knows how to about workman's comp, payroll, benefits, benefits all that stuff. So I really go in and see, okay, what aspects are they really needing and how can I point them to the right direction? Okay. Similar with uh, my practice, some people will call and say, I need a deed. <laughs> they they want to sign their property over to somebody and I have to say, hold on, back up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Why Why do you want to do that? And sometimes the consequences of giving away your property during life are are worse than the, the goal that you're trying to achieve because of tax reasons or because of uh, asset protection reasons. So we have to take another break. Time flies when you're having fun. But we'll come back and talk about some legal problems that managers might have and how a training process could help fill those gaps, help the managers communicate better with their salespeople. So stay tuned. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here with Hector Rodriguez with San Antonio Sandler, where they teach sales training and management training, help you develop a playbook so that you can hopefully avoid litigation because of sales problems or management problems. Hector, I wanted to ask, uh, before we get heavy on management problems, what was your experience with uh, business owners and, and managers as a result of the pandemic? Yeah, no, that's, um, you know, really, I would say, uh, a tough conversation we had when that happened, right? And, and really, the positive was that our clients and other businesses looked towards us as the trusted resource. Mm-hmm. The tough conversation we had with them was we might need to change services. We might need to pivot and it really completely changed the way you do business. Because people did have to change. That's true. That's true. And the ones, what I tell people now is the ones who pivoted the quickest are the ones who were the more successful or the ones who survived. And unfortunately, there were some companies that didn't withstand the, the pandemic uh, threshold. Right. Mm-hmm. There were some law firms that just mm-hmm. stopped doing work. And I, I said, my position is that uh, this is a fundamental right to mm-hmm. have access to the courts. And so even though the mayor says everybody has to stay home, I'm still going to work. Mm-hmm. And I, I never had to fight with the, the mayor about that, uh, which is a good thing. Um, but it did help me to keep going. Mm-hmm. I I had to lay people off, and I had to answer my own phone mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> for a little true. while. Um, but I built things back up. Yep, yeah, that's true. And and really, we have a really strong Sandler network. Like I said, Sandler's been around over fifty over fifty years. So a lot of the you know people in our network were around in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Everyone remembers the recession, right? And how it really rocked our uh, economy. Now, yes, businesses were affected during the pandemic, but it was more of an environmental downturn than it was an economic downturn. Mm-hmm. It's just unfortunately that the, the environmental downturn affected a lot of industries, hospitality, right. restaurants, so retail was, was really affected. So we, we helped the business owners that reached out to us, really just wanted to be a trusted resource. And we, we ourselves pivoted, you know, I was talking to you earlier, Todd, we were 80% in person, 20% virtual. Well, when that pandemic hit and everything just locked down, we literally went 95% virtual. And, and we've, we've stayed that, say we tapered down to about 2080, but we're still 8% virtual. And we thought it was going to be a, a tough hit, but we actually extended our, our clientele. There were some that you could reach because they didn't have to come to San Antonio. Exactly, exactly. So it ended up being a blessing in the long run. 
Okay, good. Let's talk about some management problems, and maybe you can tell me some ideas uh, that you have that might alleviate some of these problems. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing that happens uh, with managers is they don't, they're not getting good performance from their sales team, Mm -hmm. and they try and correct that they give them ideas how to how to be better salespeople, and for whatever reason um, they just say you're not good at sales and so I'm letting you go Mm -hmm. and the salesperson will turn around and say hey I didn't know I'd be fired for this Mm -hmm. Uh, I was doing my best Uh, how was I supposed to know what your expectations were Mm -hmm. so how can a your management training help improve that? No, uh, great, great question, Todd. And I, I hear that from companies who have strong, I would say, uh, brand, strong culture, but the sales team is, for for whatever reason, is not hitting all cylinders. And when I when I see that or hear that when I'm first meeting with a uh, business, I ask them, "Let me see your employee handbook," and it hasn't been updated in I don't know how long. Right. And you know everything about about that. Mm-hmm. Then I'm saying, okay, well, who's your law firm? What, what firm they don't? Well, then I send them to Todd, mm-hmm. right? And so I want to see their employee handbook and see, okay, what's already in there? What are you telling your people when you onboard them? Because when I hear, Hector, my sales team is not performing the way they need to. I, or this salesperson, do I, should I fire them? Should I let them go? My question I asked the sales leader is, did you make a bad hire or did you spoil them? And it's always, I spoiled them, which means... They onboarded them incorrectly. They gave them false hope, false expectations. There was no clear guidelines of what to expect in the first Mm -hmm. 90 days, six months, in the first year. They never tell their sales team, this is what I expect of you. This is what success looks like in year one. Those conversations are never being had because it's not documented. But more importantly, they're not trained on how those conversations. Uh We work with their managers on helping them. In that area. Developing that process and mm-hmm. having that conversation. Mm-hmm. We call it a man- manager's playbook. So Again, we, back to football. Exactly. You have to hey, have a playbook. <laughs> speaking of football, uh, the Super Bowl's coming mm-hmm. up. And uh, being an expert in the game, mm-hmm. what do you think's going to happen? Here's, here's I'm going to say this. I have the utmost respect for Joe Burrow. I watched him back at LSU, and he did phenomenal things there. Probably beat one of the best Alabama teams but I look at the Rams, and I look at Stafford and the, the road he took, 13 years to get where he's at, and the caliber of quarterback is phenomenal. So it's going to be a great game between those two. But here's the X factor. Defense wins championships. Even though I played offense, and I'm, I'm always biased for my offensive mm-hmm. you know, mindset, the Rams has an amazing defense. And I, I believe the up front, the battle is going to be won up front between offensive line and D-line. D-line is better than the Bengals' offensive line, and that's, gonna, that's just going to determine the factor of the game. Okay. Thank you for that insight. Of course. It's awesome. <laughs> okay, let's uh, look at another management problem. Um, so when a manager lets a salesperson go and, and the salesperson files for unemployment with Texas Workforce Commission, um, there's – there's got to be a reason, or or it could be no reason. Texas is a state where most situations are at will, where the the employee can quit for any reason they want. The employer can can let somebody go for no reason at all. But here's the catch: the employer is going to have to pay higher unemployment taxes. Where whereas if you had expectations that weren't being met that were documented then that's a reason for the fire Mm -hmm. and they're not going to let that uh, that salesperson file for unemployment they're not going to get unemployment compensation if they were fired for cause Mm -hmm. so having all of that documentation you were talking about helps to save the business money on taxes yes i agree And, and on that point todd we work closely with the HR departments, right? And a lot of you know, mid-sized, large companies have their own internal HR. If you're a smaller business owner out there, you probably outsource your HR to a either a PEO or some type of HR service. And we work with those services to really 
work hand in hand. For instance, if they're developing systems and processes, we want to make sure that the sales aspects in there, the manager. Okay. So we, we work hand in hand with HR. So I love the HR department. <laughs> okay. Well, I might have an introduction for you. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let's look at something else. Uh, retaliation. So if if the employee sees something that maybe isn't right in the sales process, let, let's say that um, they're asked to do some of those illegal or unethical, unethical things, mm-hmm. and they point it out to the employer, mm-hmm. well, the employer can't then fire them. Yeah. <laughs> that's can't. when they should just say, oh, gosh, you're right, That that's not the right way to do it let's go to training <laughs> exactly that's so that's so true it's uh and that's what's really good right we're not and not everyone's perfect but whenever you're teetering that teetering that line you go back and review the process hey you know what boss i don't believe this is right this is what i see remember and we pull out the playbook and they go back you know what you're right right we can't execute that plan we can't execute that service because of xyz vice versa the business owner or the sales leader goes to that salesperson and says, you know, I know you want to make this sale. I know you want to bring in this new client, but based on our process, it's not going to work. So it's a, not a personal, right? it's more just we're following a process. You know, whatever the process says protects us, both parties. Right. And then the, the employee can't say, well, you're just picking on me. Yeah. Because... Or you're taking away my commission mm-hmm. or you just want, you don't want me to make more sales. I, those are some of the things I hear from uh, prospects that come in want to have conversations with me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you ever get a prospect employee that's interested in in your training? Then they have to go convince their <laughs> boss. Yes, I, it happens more often than not, and and I wish that wasn't the case, but it goes back to beliefs, right? Some some business owners don't believe in training, don't believe in developing. They expect that their employees need to come already developed mm-hmm. and i don't know about utah but i've never witnessed any organization where you just get a developed person and you just let them go you have yeah. to develop in there so yes i have individuals come to me and then they go try to bring their boss in and speak with me if that doesn't work i've actually had some sales professionals invest out of their own pocket and for our training and coaching okay because uh it's going to make them better and they mm-hmm. might earn more as yep. a result and work and work up in the company and so I'm, I'm 100, it's 100% true. Every salesperson that I've came in contact with me who's invested in themselves has either moved up into an executive role or branched out and started their own business. Okay. So that brings up a, a good question. It, does a good salesperson make a good manager? That is false. <laughs> <laughs> That's false. There are two different roles, two different competencies. Now I talked about benchmarking. We benchmark sales professionals, but also managers and leaders. Okay. And so if somebody sees that their salesperson's doing well, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be a man in a management mm-hmm. role. Maybe they'll be in a, a more senior sales role instead. Exactly. Exactly. Whenever I, I hear, Hector, should I move my number one guy or girl into the sales manager role? I say, will share with me why that is. And based on their reasons, what's, whenever I reveal that, it's be, they just want their team to perform like that person. Mm-hmm. So I said, who in the organization that we have already that has the four hats of leadership, which is they're a great supervisor, they're a great trainer, a great coach, and mentor. Those managers need to be great in all four hats. has nothing to do with them performing well as salespeople. And I challenge business owners and I say, if you're going to look and hire a sales manager, try to hire someone who's not in your industry. And that right there, I know I have some business owners right now that are just like <laughs> screaming at the, the screen right now. Like, what do you mean, Hector? You want me to hire someone who's not in my industry? Well, here's why. The manager role is not for you to teach them products and, and how to be a great in the industry. You have to go back to who has been a supervisor, who's trained people, who's coached people. Somebody that's good with people. Exactly. Who, who has worked at a high level in all those four leaderships and those hats, that would be a good candidate. Okay. We got to take another break, so stay tuned.
Visiting your older or disabled relatives during the holidays can be enjoyable, and it can be a wake-up call. Have you noticed piles of unopened mail, expired food in the refrigerator, or barren pantries and cabinets? Have you noticed accumulated junk around the home? Have you noticed forgetfulness? These can be signs that your loved one is slipping and needs your help. Ask your loved one if he or she has a power of attorney or a trust. Call today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation, 210-530-4278. Marquardt Law Firm. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here with Hector Rodriguez talking about sales training, management training, a little football. And now we're going to talk about legacy because Marquardt Law Firm focuses on last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans for retirees and business owners. So Hector, um, can you would you share with us uh, something personal, maybe uh, something that you inherited or that you learned from a family member that has passed away? Yeah, sure, sure can, Todd. Uh, my 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 grandfather, uh, Grandpa Wheeler, uh, he passed away when I was in eighth grade, and he was a the I call it the cornerstone of our family, and he was a very strong willed man, and it was very all about family, right? And he and he worked three or four jobs to put you know, food on the table for my mom and, and her brothers and uh, all three of them, my mom and her two brothers are, are, you know, have great families and have passed on along those values. But one thing that he's, he's taught me was uh, always protect your family, always be there no matter what, um, and work hard. And I know work hard seems like a very uh, generic, but really I always tell people this, uh, you might be smarter than me, someone might have more money, be more successful, and I just joke around, be more handsome than me. <laughs> but I guarantee you, no no one will outwork me. Yeah, of- I like that. My grandmother, my mom's mom, was the same way. Um, I drove her and, and the rest of my family to Colorado to see my sister one time. So we were in the car for like eight hours. Oh, wow. <laughs> and somehow she got started talking about how hard she had to work. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was like, man, I'm I'm blessed on the 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 support we had <laughs> right. growing up. Yeah, mm-hmm. working three jobs, uh, yeah. you don't hear many people doing that mm-hmm. nowadays. Mm-hmm. I have a son that decided not to go to college, and uh, he used to complain a lot about the money that mm-hmm. he was making. And I said, son, if you want to make more money. You have to go to college yeah. or, you know, uh, work more than one job. Mm-hmm. And he said, I can't do that. That's too stressful. <laughs> <laughs> right, I know. Well, I, he didn't learn it from me. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, I, I also enjoy the, uh, the value of hard work. Mm-hmm. How about uh, something that you hope to be remembered by or something, that a value mm-hmm. that you might pass on? Yeah, you know, of course, and really, I I want to share two things. One is uh, my mission, which is what I do every day. And when I say what I do every day, that's more of a a life motto, a mantra. And what that mission, what my mission is, is to help leaders self discover, to be self sufficient. And I'll say it again. Uh, I want to be remembered that I helped leaders self discover to be self sufficient. And when it comes to my core values, is really four that that I want to leave behind is one family, right? Like I mentioned before, mm-hmm. uh, one is faith because in, in life there's going to be some peaks and valleys, more valleys than peaks in some lives. So you have to have faith there in those tough times. Uh, third one really is accountability, right? I think having a high sense of accountability and the right people around you is what drives you and keeps you on track to your mission and your vision. Mm-hmm. Right. And in the fourth, I like to say I call it si se puede, which if we all know who Cesar Chavez was, that was the, the I call it the war cry of when he was fighting for rights for the migrant workers in California on yes, we can. And so whatever obstacle challenge, both professionally or in person, personal, that si se puede, yes, we can overcome it. Yes, we can achieve it. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I love those values. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, my grandfather, my dad's dad, was asked one time um, if he would run to be state representative. Mm-hmm. I'm from New Mexico and from a small town there, and 
Uh, people looked up to him as a community leader, and he said no. Oh, wow. And I said, Granddad, why did you say no? And he said, there's only two things for me, God and my family. Wow, that's awesome. And if I do that, if I run for a political office, I'm not going to be giving my, my whole mind, body, and soul to those two things. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that you said that. It's awesome. <laughs> so... I want to remind everybody that Marquardt Law Firm sponsors the show, and you can pass things down using a last will or a living trust where you name your beneficiaries and you name your executor or your trustee and leave those uh, worldly possessions to whoever you want, whoever you say, whoever you list, and you can... Uh, leave everything with no conditions, or you can stipulate um, what conditions the, they would receive those things. So a lot of people will make sure that their children or grandchildren receive an education, and they'll they'll establish a trust for that. So a trustee is appointed to pay for books or fees or uh, tuition for that. So that, those are just some ideas, and another one of the values that that my parents and my grandparents had was getting an education, mm-hmm. stay in school. I I never really thought about it. Uh, I guess their um, brainwashing was was so successful. I <laughs> I just didn't even think that I had another choice. Mm-hmm. So I, that's why I went to school. But all of my kids are different. They. Uh, you know, they think about it, mm-hmm. like, do I or don't I mm-hmm. want to go? And i saying, go, yeah. go get, <laughs> learn how to do something. Mm-hmm. So, but everybody's different. That's and true. Salespeople, managers, yeah. Um, yeah. some go to school and some don't, right? Yeah, I tell people this, uh, no matter if you go to school or not, you're still going to learn something. It's just those those learning le- life lessons can be completely different. Right. Which pathway you're going to choose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. experience the the school hard knocks mm-hmm. which sometimes is not the the road you want to go right <laughs> yeah some people have to learn the hard way as they say mm-hmm. um your you said your faith was important to you yes uh tell us what are you doing in in the community or in the world mm-hmm. that reflects your faith yeah i mean you know i, I I'm, I'm a very private person and and um I'm really huge on helping, of course, our local community. But about seven years ago, uh, my wife and I uh, heard of an organization called African New Life. And, and what they do in, in Rwanda is they help children who don't have the right homes, who don't have the right support, and provide not just uh, food and clothing, but also schooling. And as you know... In Africa, schooling is how you get out of poverty. Mm-hmm. We're talking about education. Right. So it's all about education, but it's tied in with the Christian faith and tying in that and instilling those values and really helping those children get a better life. So long story longer, uh, we sponsor two children, David and Adelifi, for the past, I believe, seven going on seven years. And we, every month we get letters from them, pictures, and we send them you know, gifts and our monthly donations help put them in school. Okay. And it's it's not a large donation. It's $39 for a child. And that's for them to get clothing, food, and schooling up until grade 12 and actually graduate high school. Uh, I believe uh, Adelifi is the oldest one. He's about to be a teenager. And David is nine. And we, we've seen them, you know, since they're babies, you know, little, mm-hmm. little small children. And the cool thing is we've actually been to Rwanda. And we've been there. We actually... You know, played with them. We've spent the whole day with them. We actually picked them up from school, uh, which is pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Um, and there we actually did a lot of um, work in the community. We actually did a portable clinic for a small village in Rwanda where if you've been to Rwanda, there's not major highways and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and roads to get in and out to hospitals and, and the resources they need, so the hospitals have to come to them. So we actually put a portable clinic there to take care of that community, take care of that village and different illnesses they had. Okay. And so even ones that they didn't have um, 
the right resources as far as we had some some patients that had cancer and had some but well, we couldn't do surgery uh-huh. there so we prayed on them but we helped the ones who could get help with different vaccines different medicines that we could help them that we take for granted here like ibuprofen right right penicillin uh tylenol things that could really help these people that people die from over there we take we take for granted we go right. to cvs down the road and take and we're good yeah so I, i've heard of people dying from mm-hmm. a fever mm-hmm. because they didn't have any fever relief yep exactly yeah so we have that's where we when we plan to go again since, since the pandemic has been tough to to go back just with all the regulations uh and of course but rwanda if you've ever been there it's one of the most beautiful countries and places i've been really yeah it's beautiful now they call it the, the city of a thousand hills wow because there's just rolling rolling hills all the way around you well thank you for joining me we're coming to the end of the show is there anything else that you want people to know about sandler san antonio Yes, um, if you're interested in Sandler or any topics that I spoke about today, uh, feel free to go on our website and submit a, call it Crash a Class. What that is, is you're able to sit in as a guest in any of the sessions, management or sales or leadership, and, and see what the Sandler experience is about. Okay, great. And the website for that? Yeah, website is ssa.sandler.com. That's ssa.sandler.com. And if you have a business and you want training for your management or your salespeople, look for Hector on LinkedIn. Yes. And if you have any ideas for shows or if you have questions about this, you can always email me at host at talklawradio.com. That's H-O-S-T at talklawradio.com. Stay tuned next week for another episode. Visiting your older or disabled relatives during the holidays can be enjoyable, and it can be a wake-up call. Have you noticed piles of unopened mail, expired food in the refrigerator, or barren pantries and cabinets? Have you noticed accumulated junk around the home? Have you noticed forgetfulness? These can be signs that your loved one is slipping and needs your help. Ask your loved one if he or she has a power of attorney or a trust. Call today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. 210-530-4278. Marquardt Law Firm. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.